Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner Podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Waverly Near. Waverly competed for Westfield High School her freshman year before transferring to Culver Academies, where she would graduate in 2011. During her time in high school, she was four times All-State in cross-country, winning her senior year. In track, she was seven times individual All-State, winning and setting the state meet record in both the 1600 and the 3200 her senior year. She also ended high school as the national record holder in the indoor 5K. Upon graduating, she made the choice to run for Columbia University. During her time at Columbia, she was once All-American in cross-country and the outdoor 5K. She also set the school record in the 5K in 1537. In 2014, she made the move to Oregon, where she was All-American in cross-country and track, placing fifth in the outdoor 10K to help her team win the national championship. Waverly is now dipping her toes in the marathon, having run the New York City Marathon twice and setting her eyes on Berlin in the fall. I mentioned this at the end of the episode, but being in high school at similar times, Waverly was a legend. It was cool getting to sit down with her after all these years and hear all about her journey. She's a super easygoing, down-to-earth, and driven person. It was easy to see why she was as successful as she was. Waverly had a lot of really good insights into training and just life in general. As always, I hope you all enjoy this interview as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Waverly Near. Welcome to the Indiana Runner Podcast. How's it going? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Things are going well. Um, I'm excited to chat, jump into it. Um, I'm excited to, you know, talk with you. Awesome. Uh, so we were talking a little bit before we started recording, but we start off each conversation with a tear talk. And I don't know what I, what was going through my mind when I made this one, <laughs> but it's a little deeper than normal. So the tear talk is, what are the best emotions? Uh, do you want to go first? you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. Um, so I know I've got a little creative liberty here on this question, but I think <laughs> I'm going to go pervasively best emotions ever. Um, first one jumps out to me, excitement. You know, just being excited. If it's for the day, an event, seeing a friend. I love excitement. I think it, you know gets me going and helps me enjoy you know the little and big things in life um gratitude I think it's so important to be again grateful for the small things and also the big things to appreciate wins along the way and also be you know grateful for lessons that you learn throughout your life um third emotion curiosity Mm. um I think it's good to be you know, curious about yourself, curious about other people, curious about what's around you. Um, it's important to you know, keep growing and striving to be a better person. So those are, those are, those are my top three. I'm curious about what yours are. Yeah. Dang, those are a good three, especially gratitude. I feel like it's a sneaky good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number three is sadness. Uh, I recently heard that like sadness is maybe not the only way, but one of the best ways to know like what you care about. Like if you lose something and you're sad about it, that you knew, you know, that you cared. Cause I feel like it's, I don't know, day-to-day life. It's easy to, I don't know, not think about the things that you like actually care about. And sometimes it takes them like losing them to like realize that 
that you cared. Number two, similar is excitement. Um, I feel like a lot of times, like the thing that you're actually excited about doesn't necessarily always deliver in the way that you're excited that you think it will, I guess, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So a lot of time it's like the lead up to the thing that's actually maybe the best part. So number two is excitement. And the number one is contentment. Uh, I feel like I'm typically like a pretty steady guy. Like I never get too high or too low. So I value like the, just feeling like, okay, with where you are in life and uh, not necessarily like being ambitious and, and going after things, but not uh, letting it ruin like where you're at currently. So those are my, my top three. Good answers. Thought provoking right out of the gate. So I know. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> All downhill from, from here for me. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we're going to get into your running background, I guess, counter to what the podcast has been so far. Um, we're going to get into running backgrounds and then, yeah, I don't know, kind of just follow your journey and see where it goes. Sound good? Great. Let's do it. Okay, cool. So we'll start from the beginning. Uh, how did you get your start in running? Did you play other sports? Yeah, what was the beginnings like? Yeah, sure. Happy to share. Um, I mean, I think I've been running since I can remember. Um, my dad was an avid runner growing up, and I think it was always just a part of, you know, weekends going to 5K races as a kid and, and, and running the, the kids' one-mile race. Um through middle school and then obviously, you know, through high school and beyond. Um, I did try other sports. Um, I played basketball, but I have to admit, you know, insider story here, I did score a point for the other team when I was in middle school. And I think that uh, quickly made me pretty shy to the sport. Um, Though I did, I did finish out the season. um, You know, that memory still haunts me. Um, (laughs) So that that was kind of the, I, 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 it was after halftime. So we, you know, we, we switched, mm. um, you know, sides of the court. And I think I just got caught up in the moment. I got a, like a breakaway. Um, it was going to be my big moment. And mm. I, I scored on the goal that we had been, you know, playing at for the first half of the game, but you know, you move on, but I think I, I quickly, I quickly learned that I was good at running. I mean, I re- remember doing the mile, the mile run in gym class or field day. And I would get excited about it because I knew I I excelled in that piece of it. So I think I always gravitated to, to running and, and especially long distance running. Um, but really my, my origin story was, you know, watching my dad do it um, and just, you know, quickly sensing the community aspect of running. And I enjoyed being around, you know, people that were doing the 5k races or meeting up, you know, at the end of the day for, to go for a run. I think that was the first element that, you know, really made me gravitate towards participating in a sport that so many different people were a part of. Um, so yeah, I always ran, um, always kind of knew that I was good at it. Um, but really from, from the onset, just as a little kid going with my dad to weekend 5k races. Yeah. Was there a point where like it really became your own? You feel like you enjoyed it like for your own sake? That's a great question. Um, I think it was probably towards the end of my high school career um, where I knew this was something that I wanted to do long term. Um, And I kind of 
started to have the ability to pick my own journey in a sense with running, be that, you know, deciding the races that I wanted to compete in, um, you know, it was at that time that I was thinking about, you know, what my college opportunities were um, and ultimately, you know, really having the decision on where I wanted to be long-term um, as, a, as a runner and, and continuing to compete. Um, but I think it was, running is a very solitary, like you spend a lot of time in solitude running, or at least I did towards the end of my high school career. I mean, I, I had fantastic teammates who, you know, I got the opportunity to work out with some, and I also, you know, worked out with some of the boys on the team, but I did a lot of workouts on my own. Um, and I think that was when I kind of started building my own personal relationship with running, um, because I spent miles and hours just doing it with my own thoughts and emotions with it. Um, and of course that, you know, that changed throughout my career and, and was refined in different ways. Um, but I really feel like I built my own relationship towards the end of my high school career. Yeah. With running. What, uh, what was your training like in high school? um I was definitely undertrained, and I mean that in like a great way um you know I I worked out really hard and I probably no surprise from some of the stories that people have like reflected on of like what I was like to to watch running or like compete with but I was like very intense about my training Mm. um but I I didn't I didn't do anything phenomenal like I didn't you know run some obscene amount of miles I think you know, probably the most I ever ran in high school was 40 miles a week. Um, Mm. if I touched that once in a while, um, I would run really, really hard on workout days. Mm. And then in between I ran with my teammates, I think I had a really balanced, um, high school training, um, schedule. I really credit my Chastain and my dad for putting together something that, you know, provided, a large funnel for me to continue to improve as I got older. Um, there was a lot of fun in my high school training too. Like I had teammates and we would do like weird scavenger runs or mm-hmm. like, you know, like do like a scavenger hunt on our runs, you know what I mean? Or, um, so I would say it was, it was balanced. Um, but I was definitely intense on mm-hmm. workout days, aggressively intense. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, is there anything that you'd change like going back? Another good question. Um, you know, I think I would have loved to do a different sport, um, to try a different sport in like an off season. Um, there was a time, I think maybe my sophomore or junior year, I thought about joining the swim team mm. just to add some variety. I didn't end up doing it because, you know, although Indiana's indoor track season is short, um, I, I enjoyed indoor track in high school and I also liked competing um, nationally in indoor track. I think it was like a fun opportunity to do something different. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think I envy a lot of my friends that were multi-sport athletes through high school, um, just from the friendships they made or memories that they made. And I think that was, that would be maybe the one thing I would change. Otherwise I, I, I feel pretty content in what my high school career was. Yeah, that's good. Do you play any other sports now? <laughs> um, I tried pickleball one time and I was really bad at it. So okay. <laughs> I, 
I quickly moved on. Um, I don't. I still run. Um, but I'm open to it. I thought about maybe like rock climbing. That'd be fun to try. But yeah, that's the thing about New York though. I, I, I live in the city now and there's so many different things you can get involved in and like try at just like an amateur level. It's almost overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe next time we talk, I'll be like really gung-ho on rock climbing. But for <laughs> yeah. now, I haven't found my my outside passion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, are you like, are you naturally pretty athletic? Oh, wow. That's a hard question. It depends on who you ask. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say like, probably I'm mediocre. Um, although like, I, I think I just will myself to be good at things. Um, <laughs> like and things that I have no business being good at, um, like a memory that comes to mind there's this like local bar that I really love here in New York that it's a runner bar a lot of people meet up and like do runs from it it's just kind of like a good hub for like the community mm-hmm. and they did this like beer stein challenge where you held this this massive beer beer stein which is like a large beer glass filled with beer and like you had to see who would hold it the longest and I definitely don't think that I'm like that strong of a person, but I just like sheer sheer willed myself to to the the win <laughs> on that one. So yeah, maybe I'm athletic on like things that don't don't matter. Um, just by ego and sheer will. But uh yeah, I think I'm I'm probably midstream athlete yeah. all around. Yeah. So are you so are you like that with all things? Like does it bother you when you're not the best at something or not good at something? Um, wow. Another good question. Um, I think it depends. Um, I think if I have spent a lot of time and energy on something, I want to be good Mm -hmm. at it. Um, I think I easily get frustrated if I'm not immediately good at something. Um, which again is maybe like an ego thing. I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, but I think more than anything, I just enjoy the challenge of it. You know, like I, I like trying my hand at a lot of different things and new things. And I don't think I'm easy to get, to give up on something if I'm not immediately good at it. Um, Mm. But if it doesn't come after putting a lot of time and energy, that's when I, that's when I get frustrated. Yeah. I'm pretty similar. Like if I haven't put some time into something, but I'm not very good at it, like doesn't really bother me. But if I know, like I put some work into something and I'm, not progressing like I thought it would or I'm not as good as others in it like then it like starts to bother me like yeah. I I've mentioned this on the podcast before but I've been playing a lot of chess recently um like super cool. random and I'm like really bad but I like kind of enjoy <laughs> it and I've been playing it like a decent amount and so now like I know I put time into it and when I get beat it just like bothers me <laughs> mm-hmm. but I don't know it's just, like one of those things yeah 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 no I I I get you on that one um it's hard to accept when you're not great at something, but it we can't be good at all things, right? Because then, yeah. then we all, you know, wouldn't be different and unique. Um, but it's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Especially if you like, yeah, like you said, if you want to be good at something, you have to be able to put time into it. And obviously, time is finite. You can't be good and spend time on everything. So I guess it's a matter of like choosing, choosing mm-hmm. the things. Um, 
So you, your freshman year, you went to Westfield, right? And then you transferred I did. to Culver. What was, uh, yeah. what was that process like? Oh, um, it was, it was a, it was tough, admittedly. I mean, I think that time and, you know, any kid's age develop, like age development is, is hard anyway, when, you know, it's a lot of pressure, both from yourself and like socially to make friends and fit in. Um, I mean, I, I loved my time at Westfield. I ran for Scott Litzkin, who's the head coach there, um, and had the opportunity to be on a very, very good team. Um, and that was something that I, I, I've always wanted, um, from, you know, my, my young running years to my later developmental years in running, um, to be surrounded by, you know, good people and also really quality athletes. And so I had a year of experiencing a lot of amazing things with the Westfield team. We ran at Nike cross nationals, you know, won a state championship, um, and I really enjoyed training with, with the girls on the team. Um, but I had the opportunity to go to Culver um, and both, you know, academically and, you know, experiencing maybe something that was outside of my comfort zone was also really appealing. Um, Culver is a, you know, school of international students and, you know, a curriculum that you can't always find at every public school. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, you know, made the decision to, to transfer. And I look back and it was probably one of the best decisions I made. My time at Culver was some of my fondest memories as a kid. And, and even now as an adult, I look back and share stories with classmates or like friends that I've made along the way about my time at Culver. And um, yeah, it was, it was a phenomenal experience. And I think I grew a lot as a teenager that has like impacted me as an adult. Um, but it's tough. I mean, Culver is a boarding school and, you know, being away from my family, even though it's, you know, an under two hour drive was a change as a, you know, 16 year old kid. Um, and even though it's a small school, you have to go through the process of making a lot of new friends and seeing where you fit in and, you know, all of the, the awkward teen things that everyone mm -hmm. has to go through, but like put it in a bubble of like a boarding school and, um, I think I made the transition pretty quickly, thanks to, you know, like a really good team and coaching situation with, with Mike and, and the cross country team at the time. Um, so I had like a natural place to fit in, but it was definitely scary, um, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, mm. but like I said, super happy that I made that decision. It was, it was the right move for me yeah. at the time. So, so you'd eventually progress to be like one of the best runners in the nation. Uh, how, how, I guess, A, how did you handle the pressure of that? And then B, like, how were you able to stay kind of down to earth, like feel like a normal high schooler like, while still in high school? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I guess the grounded piece is interesting because, you know, I think when I was going through high school, you know, the, the, the 2009, 2010, 2011, a lot of different internet, like media sites just were starting to pop up. Um, it really wasn't until I was in college that those became like outlets that people, you know, got their, their track and cross country news from. 
And so maybe that was also partially being in like the, the bubble of Culver, Indiana, that I just, I really didn't know what was going on in the outside world. Um, and so I, I think there were times where I felt pressure, but more so on the local, like Indiana stage to perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't want to be beat <laughs> to like, to put it plainly, like I, I didn't want to be beat by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of outside of my, you know, state level, like I, I really, I didn't know what else was going on. I went to Foot Locker and kind of got a flavor for what other high schoolers were running and, and how good they were. Um, but that, that's the exposure is limited it happens, you know, a couple times a year. I mean, to bring it back to kind of the local level, I would still get nervous for like sectionals. Like I didn't, I didn't, I, I would like question whether or not I would like win it because that became kind of more of my pressure because it was, it was more of a routine, um, ex- like experience and exposure. Um, but dealing with it, I mean, I, I coach Justine was phenomenal. He was always a very easy person and still is for me to talk to and, and to vocalize things that I, I was feeling. And we would put a, a plan together on how we would deal with it if I was feeling pressure or anxious or scared um but I also had a lot of great friends in high school both on the cross-country team who you know you know knew that I was relatively good um you know compared to other you know high school athletes um but I also had friends who knew nothing about track and cross-country and so you know to them like I was just sort of another athlete who Mm-hmm. was maybe doing something a little different than other kids at the school, but like they didn't have a benchmark to, to know how good or not good I was. And so I think that kept me well-rounded um, along with like a very good support system, you know, and my coach and then, you know, the faculty and obviously my parents. Um, yeah. yeah. Would, uh, so feeling that pressure on, I guess, more the local level, would that those feelings like go away once you started the race or like, how did you handle that? Yeah, sure. Um, they did. I, I think, I think that's probably a consensus to at least in, among like other athletes, like once the gun go off, goes off, mm-hmm. you just like get into competition mode. Um, but you know, there, there, I, I also came up in the ranks with a lot of really good Indiana athletes at the time. And so, you know, you were, if you were in the race with them, you were certainly aware of like where they were and, mm-hmm. you know, thinking in the, like the last mile of the race, so I, I don't want to be beat, but it just like never, once the gun got went off, it was never like an option for me to be beat. Like I just committed to wanting to win the race, particularly through like my senior year. Um, so I suppose the pressure sort of flipped a, a switch, I guess, if that's how you could describe it. Once, once the race went off, it was like, it was no longer an option to be, yeah. you just to do whatever you could do yeah. <laughs> to win, which sounds <laughs> aggressive for a high school student, but that's kind of, that's kind of how I was. <laughs> yeah. Was that always your mindset or is that more your senior year or did it develop over time? Yeah, I think, I think I've sort of always been that way. I, um, it's funny when I, I have this very vivid memory as a, a freshman um, competing in track. 
um, which is funny because looking back at the time, it was the first time that I met Mike Chastain, the coach at Culver. Um, there was the, the Indiana um, Distance Showcase, which mm-hmm. I think is still held. Um, yeah. I'm not positive, but I think it's still held. It was like one of my favorite track races. Um, but as a freshman, like I had no business running right behind or next to Alex Banfitch, like no business whatsoever. But I like stuck my nose in it because I, I, I wanted, I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And I think I ultimately ended up like maybe third or something in the race, but like ran a PR and it was like quite exciting. Um, so I think I've always had a mindset that I've, I've, I want, I want to win. I want to be successful. Um, there's plenty of stories where that's been a downfall, right? Like I've got mm-hmm. out too fast or I've, you know, went in above my head on certain things. And I think throughout my career, I learned how to better strategize that approach. But I, I think I've always been a little aggressive with competition. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like a, a big portion of running success is obviously like having talent, being good at running, but there's also that like championship mindset. Do you, how much of it, of your mindset do you feel like, you've always had and what part like was developed and were there like key moments that like, I guess instilled belief in you or like motivated you to want to be the best. Yeah. I don't mm. know if that's made any sense, but yeah, no, it, it does. I think some of it is, is natural. You know, there's some people that are, you know, for a lack of a better description, born with like a, a killer mindset. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully that doesn't transfer in every element of your life because that's not sustainable, right? You have to pick mm-hmm. the places where you want to be particularly aggressive towards your success. Um, so I think for me personally, yeah, I think part of it has, has always been natural. I'm a, I'm a high achieving person, probably, you know, type A perfectionist, like what to do my best at things I stick myself in. Um, but I don't think you know, it was truly cultivated me, cultivated in me in a um, productive way until maybe my junior or senior year of high school, Mm. um, where, you know, I had very consistent training through that, through that time, um, and starting to develop, you know, as a, as an athlete, like physiologically and mentally, um, starting to do, you know, harder, harder workouts that, were coming easy to me naturally. And I think that instilled a huge confidence boost of like, Oh, if I can do this in practice, then why can't I just go win this race? Mm. Um, and then also, you know, I started to have a bit of a Rolodex of winning different races. And I think that also instilled a level of confidence that, well, if I can, if I, if I can win this or, you know, even be top five in this, what could I do at this next level? And so, I mean, there was an element of um, like a snowball effect in some mm-hmm. sense of mm-hmm. it took, you know, one domino piece to fall and start thinking ahead of like, well, if I could do this one thing, what what can I do the next time on a little bit bigger stage and, you know, level of competition. Yeah. Um, so that, that, yeah, natural and, and developed. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, that's spot on. I think especially the like practice seeing the you hit the splits or the the whatever they give you confidence that you can do it in a race 
like it's like you said, a snowball built on each other. Uh, do you have a favorite moment from high school? Whether it be like a victory mm. or even just outside of racing, favorite moment? Yeah. I mean, there are a few that stick out. Um, I, I mean, immediately the first one comes to mind was when I set the national record for the indoor 5K, um, which seems like maybe the obvious thing to say, but there was a whole backstory of, you know, I just had personally committed to Columbia. And so that was going to be my new home track in New York City. It was at the Armory. And so it felt really special. Some of my, you know, new teammates had actually come to see the race. And I only knew them kind of by their first name and like a short, brief visit. But that felt really special to have these new friends come and see me do that. Um, my father actually had been in a pretty bad car accident a few months before the race. Um, it had this, you know, whole re recovery period that was scary as a high school kid. Um, I think it was the first time that I ever saw, you know, m my dad in such a, such a tough state. Um, and so, you know, my, my dad through my high school career was a huge support system for me. Um, and he spent time in the hospital, a lot of time recovered his, I mean, his jaw was even wired. So our communication was, um, very different of the, those winter months leading up to the, the race itself. Um, and he was actually able to be there for the race. So it was really cool to share that moment with him of his, like ultimately overcoming kind of this really horrific accident, um, and celebrate another victory on top of it, of, you know, accomplishing this, you know, running thing that felt very special for both of us. Um, but also funny enough, like we didn't almost miss the race, but we kind of almost missed the race. Um, which is a lesson for anybody, um, that misses misjudges New York city traffic. We were actually staying in New Jersey at the time and hit really terrible traffic coming into the armory. Um, I almost warmed, warmed up like on the George Washington bridge over to the armory itself, but we made it in time, very quick warm up, like just got on the track and raced. And so I think it was like a good moment of like, Hey, despite circumstances, you can achieve, you know, what you set out to do. And like, it was a good lesson in flexibility. Um, so that moment sticks out. It's just like a lot of um, happiness and to be very honest, surprise, like shock. Like, mm. I don't think anyone, not even like my coach and I talked about that being maybe an outcome of the race. Um, so yeah, that that's a, that's a pretty special moment yeah. for me. Did your dad make a full recovery? He did, made a full recovery, totally fine now um kind of scary couple months but you know he's he's totally totally in the clear now That's awesome. so at what yeah. point in the race did you or did you even realize at any point in the race that breaking the national record was a possibility i mean i don't think i really knew until maybe the last 400 meters the race went like as a typical high school race went out way too fast right yeah. like <laughs> we banked a lot on the front end um <laughs> But, uh, I mean, the armory itself is just chaotic to begin with. You know, it's 
this bank 200 meter track it's loud and echoey in there and so I don't think I was ever really aware of like what my splits were or what the announcers were saying or anything um but I remember catching a glimpse of the clock um with 400 meters to go I was like oh my god that's like kind of fast like I (laughs) like I was just like kind of surprised and I don't think that I even I maybe knew what the national record, the national record was at the time, though it doesn't stand out to me that I knew it, but maybe I had kind of like a rough, like, oh, it's probably this or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I knew I was going to break it until really like the last, or that I was at least going to maybe not break it, but at least run fast until like the last hundred meters. Um, that, yeah, it was a bit of, it was a bit of a shock uh to to say the least um there were no like prescribed splits like you should run this if you want to break it it was just sort of this chaotic moment of like oh wow that that happened um Mm. which you know kind of added a layer to the whole the whole story of it (laughs) yeah what'd you end up going time yeah um i think i ran it you have to fact check me on this Cause it's been, yeah. it's been quite some time. What it's, it's been, it was 2011. Yeah. So it's been a while. Um, I think I ran 16, 35 or 37. I'm That's not okay. sure. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fact check me. I don't want to mislead any of the listeners here on what <laughs> my time was, but I, I it was wrote down you, about that. I wrote down that you're the high school record holder or were, are you, are you still? No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, it's been, it's been broken a few times, I think since. Um, but yeah, fact, fact check me. So I'm not misleading anyone here, but it was approximately that. (laughs) I'll put in the show notes, the, the real time. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, so after high school, you end up going to Columbia. Uh, what was the process of choosing Columbia? Yeah. If you just like walk us through kind of the recruiting process. What was that like? Sure. Um, recruiting process, I, I, I really feel blessed having the resources at Culver to walk through the recruiting process itself. I mean, there's a whole, that time there was a whole team dedicated to helping kids, you know, pick their lists of schools they want to apply to, you know, the application process and particularly for athletes you know, helping them navigate the different options that were available to them. And so, I mean, I had a fantastic college advisor, obviously, you know, Mike, my coach was a huge resource and all of that. Um, And then, and then, you know, my parents too. Um, I think when I was considering my different options, academics were always really important to me. Um, And so I knew that I wanted to go to a school that had a strong academic program um, coupled with a strong athletic program, obviously as well. Um, I think I only took two or three official visits. Um, Columbia being the first official visit that I took, took an official visit to Penn. And then I took a handful of unofficial visits to, to different schools. Um, but I, I immediately fell in love with Columbia. It was just so different than my experience at Culver, um, you know, Culver, Indiana population of, yeah, I don't know what it is at that time, like 1500 people just mm-hmm. was 
very different than New York City um, <laughs> in like every single aspect. Um, you know, I, I love the energy and the buzz of the city when I, when I visited and I had taken an unofficial visit there. So I had, you know, gotten the flavor of it, you know, a couple of times. Um, the team was very welcoming to me. It seemed like really dedicated students um, and, you know, ba balanced with, with their athletics. And I, you know, really enjoyed the coaching staff at the time. Uh, Willie Wood was the head coach um, and ultimately the assistant coach coaching staff changed, um, during my career there. Um, but I really felt like they were speaking the same language as I was in terms of, I want to have a future after running, um, and a, you know, career that is like strong and I want to learn while I'm here, but I also want to be a really good athlete as well. Um, and I, I like committed, you know, as I, as I left my visit, that this was the school that I wanted to go to. So uh -huh. it was a very easy process for me. Um, you know, my, my parents really didn't like meddle in the details. They sort of just like trusted whatever it was that, you know, my gut told me to do. So it wasn't overly stressful. It was like a pretty quick and easy process. Um, I know that's not everybody's experience. So I felt, you know, grateful that that, at least that element was off my plate my senior year, pretty pretty early on. Yeah. Did you feel at peace about your decision once you committed? <laughs> Another good question. Um, I think initially there, you always go through this like process of like questioning yourself, right. With any big decision, you're like, well, well, if I, if I did this, uh, <laughs> and I definitely went through that. Um, I, I certainly, you know, full transparency went through a really long drawn out process of questioning my decision to 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 be at Columbia while I was at school mm -hmm. um and I think that was something that I was you know, very open with my parents about I you know spoke to my coach about it at the time um you know Columbia for all of its its strengths as a program wasn't necessarily the best fit for me um it kind of felt like a pair of pair of pants that I was holding up with a belt like it just it sort of fit <laughs> but like not great um and I you know I was a, a, a good student and had really good grades um uh, I on paper was running well um but it was sort of a constant battle to make it work and make it fit um which is you know why I ultimately transferred to Oregon um so no I mean I don't think I was ever really at peace once I was there that I had made the right decision um, um, but I was, I was making it, making it work. So was it more of the athletics or more of the academics or kind of a combination of both? Academically, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I was making great grades. It was like Dean's list. Like I was doing fine. Um, I liked what I was learning. Um, I really think, and, and then I guess athletically, you know, I, I love, I love my coach, um, I felt like I had my niche within, within the team. I just, I think it was more of a, a me thing. Like, I don't think I was really ready for New York city, even though I thought I was, um, it was a huge leap for me. And also as like a poor college student, New York is like hard to make work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's like very expensive and you know, it's just, it's a lot, it's, it was a lot of adjustment. Um, but I don't think that I was, I was quite ready for um, I had like just a hard time finding where I fit in 
within the city. Mm. Um, and that's, that's sort of what I was looking for coming from Culver and just being super comfortable there and, and, and knowing my way around town, like the back of my hand, like I, first time I rode the subway, I went one stop and like got off and walked back just to make sure that I could do it. You know, like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's things like that, the, that are like hard as an 18 year old to figure out how to do. And I, I just don't think that I was quite, quite ready for that yet. Yeah, for sure. Did you have any questions about like running itself? Like, do I really want to do that aspect of, of college? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had, I had a very injury ridden college career. So I think there were definitely dark moments where I was like, what, what, what is this? Like, what am I doing? You know, like, I, I don't want to be on a stationary bike solo like by myself or like my head in the pool swimming laps on laps and laps just so that I can you know do alternative work to stay fit um I don't I don't think I ever questioned that it was something that I wanted to be successful at but yeah I mean I think there were definitely moments where in the like the deepest darkest parts of it of Mm -hmm. like you know solitary non-running activities that I wondered if it was something that I wanted to keep committing so much energy and emotion to mm. um but I kept I kept coming back to I think that like that's a good lesson in resolve um to see something through like that um but yeah there were definitely some some tough some tough moments yeah what did you study in college I studied um I studied anthropology when I was uh-huh. at Columbia sociocultural anthropology um, and then when I transferred to Oregon, I changed my major um, to urban planning. Um, yeah, so it, that's a bit more in line with what I'm doing, but like a total flip of the scripts um, of, a, of a degree path. Um, but they kind of complement each other well, if you get into the details of it. Yeah. So. Are you using it now? I am. Yeah. So I, I'm in commercial real estate here in New York City. Um, so... The urban planning background complements quite quite well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it ultimately met, led me where I was supposed to be. I there think. You go. Nice. Yeah. How uh, how different was your training in college compared to high school? Um, I mean, more miles for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, I definitely, I definitely bumped up the mileage when I was in college. Um, longer, longer volume workouts as well, mm. um, both in like rep distances and number of reps, you know, instead of, you know, this isn't like actual example, but instead of doing like 800s, I did miles in college. So, you know, increasing the volume and definitely much more intense. I mean, I, particularly when I was at Oregon was around, you know, very quality athletes. And I think even if our coaches kept the reins on us, some, some workouts definitely turned into, to races, Mm. um, for better or for worse. Um, so yeah, intensity went up, but just all around, every everything was dialed dialed up. Um, yeah, which I think you know mo- most people do um, with their with their college training. 
but yeah. I was coming from a you know lower volume high intensity but you know everything was kicked up a notch yeah quite a bit um the transition from high school to college like I guess going back would it have been better to make I guess maybe increase mileage or intensity of your high school training a little bit more heading into college knowing that you were or or did you were you transitioned in college like how did that yeah I I I am a huge advocate for high school kids um keeping the the volume relatively low um intensity's in my opinion fine as long as your volume is is lower um you know, I, I should back up on my previous answer. I did have a transition phase in terms of volume and intensity when I was a, as a freshman um, into kind of the beginning year of beginning semester of my sophomore year. Um, I think my, my college coach did a really good job of that. Um, but no, I don't think that I, I don't think that I would have changed. And I don't think coach Chastain would have let me change my, my, my training in high school. I think it was appropriate for where I was. I think it was appropriate for ultimately setting me up to be a person that like still runs today mm. um, and enjoys it um, because, you know, being successful at running at that kind of level really is short lived in like the grand scheme of things. And the end goal should be, you know, is this something that I can do for a lifetime if it's, if it's mm. really something that I enjoy. And sure. so I, I don't think that I, I don't think that I would have changed that in terms of my training in, in high school. Yeah. What was the process of realizing you wanted to transfer and then deciding to go to Oregon? Yeah. Um, kind of crazy, honestly. You know, I was, I think I was six credits shy of my degree at Columbia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I had like one or two classes that I could take and then I, I could have been done. Um, so after NCAAs, my junior year outdoor track, um, couple weeks after I was let known that my, my coach was being let go, um, which was a, it was a pretty big surprise for me. Um, and, you know, ultimately I, I had stuck around Columbia as long as I did, cause I, I really enjoyed training with him and, and for him. Um, but, you know, totally unrelated, a conversation about having a fifth year of eligibility was starting to come up. Um, with with me and the, the Columbia coaching staff. And so I'd already begun to think about where I may want to spend that fifth year of training, mm. um, which was a real blessing in, blessing in, in disguise um, because I had already started to put that, that thought together. Um, and for a while, I really thought that I would stay at Columbia uh, and wait to see like who they had hired and, you know, see, see that through. But the more I thought about it over the summer, the, the like more I realized the opportunity to maybe create a little bit of a happier scenario for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I quickly put together some emails of just reaching out to different coaches to see one, if it was even a viable opportunity for me to transfer um, and two, if there'd be a spot for me. Um, and got some pretty quick responses back from different programs um, and really spent like an intense couple of weeks, like talking to coaches and figuring out what it is that I wanted to do. 
um, and ultimately decided after talking to Marisa Powell that I, I wanted to be at Oregon. I wanted to do my fifth year there. It like all it all lines up. So like on on my birthday, uh, officially committed to Oregon um, and made the leap. And it was like a crazy, no kidding, like housing is decided in a couple of days, like figure out where I'm going to live. That was di- decided in a couple of days, like bought tickets. It literally shipped like furniture to Marisa Powell's like house. And she like held it for me until I showed up in Oregon. Um, it was like, it was wild. Very, very quick timeline. Um, but it was sort of a make a decision, like don't look back kind of moment. Um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely the right, the right move for me. Yeah. So a similar question to going to Columbia, but maybe on the flight over, like, how are you feeling? Were you like, what have I done? Were you excited? <laughs> or, yeah, where was your head at? Um, well, I didn't know anybody at all <laughs> on the team. I, Marisa had connected me with a couple girls on the team and I like very briefly spoke with Molly Grable, who was my year, um, ended up being like my my training partner which was like a cool initial connection to make, but like, I didn't, I didn't know anybody. And so I was, I was nervous. And the only time that I had spent in Eugene was for Blades, And like, you're kind of in a hotel room and then shuttled to the track. So I didn't really know a lot to expect of Eugene itself, but you know, on the flip side of it, it's Oregon. And I was going to be an Oregon duck. And that's like, I think, you know, my, my little kid in middle school running dream to, Mm -hmm. to run at the university of Oregon. And so there was, I think a level of excitement of what the next two years would hold, but then also what that meant after, um, if I wanted to continue running. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm allowed to say any curse words on this, but I was scared as shit, (laughs) but also like really excited at the same time, um, Mm. about the, about the unknown. Yeah. Um, so how did uh how the transition end up going? Like how was your time in Oregon? I mean, socially it was very easy. Um so Oregon um does a a extended training trip before classes start. They're on trimesters. So classes actually don't start until I think it's like late September. Um and so they at at, at that time took a couple week training trip to Sun River, which is up in like the Cascade Mountains of Oregon. Like it's beautiful. It's a really cool opportunity to like quickly get to know my teammates. Unfortunately, I showed up with an injury. And so my running training um, was a bit unique um, to say the least. I don't think I, you know, got to spend that quality time with my teammates out running miles. So I was instead, you know, swimming it's biking lifting and doing alternative work than running um but i jumped pretty quickly into having you know like a good relationship with marisa powell getting to know the rest of the coaching staff and like quickly finding and making friends on the oregon team so i really don't think that it could have gone smoother for like the chaos that it was born out of (laughs) um so, yeah, I mean, I look back on that and I'm like, wow, it's really like amazing how easy that transition went. Um, even like just, you know, 
getting into classes and finding my way my way around campus like all of it was quite quite simple which I was very I don't know grateful for among all the other change yeah are you are you a homebody or like does new places new adventures excite you yeah 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 um maybe a mix of both I think when I was younger I was more of a homebody um I enjoyed you know the comforts of being like in a place that you made your own I think as I've gotten older and maybe that's part of the lifestyle of New York I've gotten a little bit more eager to to venture out and do things outside my comfort zone Mm -hmm. um but home is really important to me and like the concept of home and creating a space that's yours that you share with like people that you love is very important so I think as long as I have that like home basis Mm -hmm. I'm willing to to venture out onto little you know day trips out to other other things and and see what else is out there that's cool I like that uh how different was your training at Oregon than Columbia I mean I had training partners um like a group of training partners for the first time um and that was really my first experience of training with a consistent like large number of girls um and that was amazing I loved it um I think in terms of workouts and like type of training, it was actually quite similar. So um, Andy Marisa Powell actually spent a um, coaching stint at Columbia. Um, so I, I, they, I think part of their training was influenced by, you know, coaching at Columbia. I don't know that they would say that, but I think it was probably very similar. It, and very similar strains run through the programs themselves. Um, so I think in terms of, you know, what the training looked like on paper, quite similar. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, training isn't rocket science in yeah. a lot of different ways, right? Like things work and they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, having training partners, resources were like totally different uh, at Oregon. We had like a a lifting program that was, you know, individually crafted to each athlete and, you know, nutrition and, um, you know, recovery modalities. All of those were new things to me that I didn't experience on quite that quality level at Columbia. Um, And so it was like a Willy Wonka chocolate factory, like the stuff that was like accessible to to me that hadn't been, beginning of my career so it was all those like like auxiliary things to training that was really you know what was different in in the experience yeah so when you first got there and you said you were injured like when you initially got there how were you able Mm -hmm. to like connect with the team and like make friends when you're not running with them it takes a lot of energy and effort um I mean I I, I mean, like I said, that that training, the extended training trip was really huge for me to make friends. I think if I had like jumped into classes and sort of having to practice on my own, um, it would have been more difficult to connect with my teammates. But while we were 
in Sun River, like we would make dinner together every mm-hmm. single night. Um, or, you know, we would go out and get ice cream or like, you know, just like random hanging out mm-hmm. um, that gave me the opportunity to like connect and click with different people. Um, which maybe in itself was like special, you know, too, to like connect with my team outside of like just having running in common. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took a lot of energy and effort and I don't know that I was like successful across the board on it, but like, yeah, having that trip really made a, a big difference for, for me. Sure. Do you have a favorite like mode of cross training or like favorite cross training workout? Through the yeah. Year? I mean, I have to admit, I, I hate it. <laughs> i've i've grown to understand its purpose but if i can avoid it i do so i I just want to put that out there that it's not something that i seek out um i really think spinning is great like cycling and spinning is a is a really it can be a really good replica for running particularly if you try to replicate like track workouts on a bike I think you can get actually pretty fit. Um, And then, you know, this isn't always considered like cross training, but I think lifting weights is like a really good way to stay strong while you're running, provided that like you can load on whatever injury it is that you have. Mm. Um, You know, the, the return to running often, at least in my experience, brings out other injuries because you became weak in places mm-hmm. that are often strengthened from running. But if you can maintain a certain level of strength through lifting, um, I think the return to running can be um, exponentially shorter because you, you stayed like structurally quite strong. Yeah. Did you lift it all in high school? Little, very little. Um a bit haphazardly, I have to say. <laughs> um, I think that there were probably more things that I was supposed to do that were prescribed to me and I avoided. Um, yeah, I hope Coach Chastain doesn't listen um, to this because yeah. he would call me out on it. Um, I didn't take it as seriously. I, I, like as a high school kid, I thought, well, like I'm running, I should only run. And that's like what I should, mm-hmm. you know, only like only be putting my energy towards um so it wasn't really until I was in college and specifically Oregon that I grew to have a appreciation for for lifting yeah uh did you have a favorite moment or moments between Columbia and Oregon anything that's Mm. yeah there are a few I mean briefly I'll share winning a national title at Oregon for outdoor track was one of the like the like fullest moments like my heart has never felt like so full that Mm -hmm. was such a really cool experience um on that same national meet my teammate and I were fourth and fifth in the 10k which like secured enough points to actually win the meet um Mm -hmm. so that was like that was a really really special moment um those two stand out the most as just being like you know put a pin in it kind of moment yeah understandably uh before we go on to kind of post-college is there anything that we missed or you wanted to 
bring up about high school or college? Anything you thought about? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we covered it well. Cool. Well, uh, what, uh, where's life taking you since, since graduating from Oregon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, immediately after Oregon, um, I joined the New Jersey, New York track club, um, with the, the famed Frank Gagliano. Um, I ran with NJNY for about a year and a half, two years. Um, at that time they were based in Westchester, which is the county just north of New York city. Um, and you know, I, when I left New York, I really never, I never thought that I would ever come back. Um, so it was really this moment for me of one, like, what the hell am I doing? But two, all right, let's give this another shot. Um, and unfortunately my time there was spent with a lot of injuries, um, just dealing with some different health things and, you know, just kind of ultimately figuring out where I wanted to be as like a long-term career. Um, but you know, running for gags was like an unforgettable experience. He's like such a character. Um, and there's things that he used to say or do that I find myself thinking about and like just randomly laughing or like thinking really fondly and warmly about. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for my time that I spent with NJNY. Um, but ultimately I, I got this itch and like, like we said, curiosity about what else was out there. Um, and so I started to explore different opportunities in real estate, um, which like no better city to do it than, than New York city. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of catapulted my, my, myself into a career in real estate, um, which is what I'm doing now. I'm working for an organization called the New York city economic development corporation. Um, they essentially, operate all of New York City's real estate assets. So I'm working on a specific project within, it's called the EDC, Economic Development Corporation, um, developing a, a set of buildings in the Brooklyn waterfront for sustainable garment manufacturing and film and TV production. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like I, I just, real estate is one of those things, particularly when you're working with a city that you just like, it's an onion, you keep peeling back all these layers and you're like, yeah. what? Like this exists, this is crazy. Um, so I feel really grateful. I mean, I I love my job. I'm challenged, um, which is important to me. I like, feel like I'm really growing kind of intellectually and like as a person, um, but I'm still running. I've run two New York city marathons. Um, I kind of have got this new marathon bug that I'm (laughs) dabbling with and enjoying. Um, my first marathon in 2021 was the first New York City marathon since COVID. Um, and it also happened to be the 50th anniversary of the marathon in the city. Um, and it was like, talk about running highlights, like that may be it. It was such a one, just like cool experience as a New Yorker to see the city come together. Um, it's also just like this like if you haven't seen a New York City marathon, you should because it's like a huge block party for like all, the whole day. Like it's amazing to me that they shut down New York City streets for runners. Like runners are nerds and they shut down the streets <laughs> yeah. for us. It's so cool. Right. Um, 
but I mean like I have such a great group of friends and like network in the city and they came out cheered me on and like you know gave me bottles and for my first marathon like I was very pleased with how I did um and kind of again you think about the snowball effect of like oh if I did this what what could happen next so I ran my second marathon this last year um and it was hell it was like such a different experience. Yeah. Um, like a unseasonally warm day. It was like high seventies, just like the worst conditions you could think of for a marathon, but probably in the, the long view of things, like good to have that experience and really fight mm-hmm. for the finish. Um, but I've got, I've got Berlin on my schedule for wow. September of this year around the Berlin marathon. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm training. So obviously the only thing I do got to wake up pretty early in the morning to get it done before work and fit it into my schedule. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've found some different ways to get involved from like a community standpoint that just feel pretty authentic to like who I am mm. as like a person and a runner. Yeah. So that's What's me your... now. There you go. What's your uh, relationship with running now? Like, does it feel similar to how it was in college or is it way different? Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's similarities in terms of like having a team. Um, team looks very different for me now than it did when I was in college and high school. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily training with anybody. Like I have some friends that I could pick up a workout with you know, but it's not like a consistent routine that I'm running with someone. Um, but my team now is more of like a support system, you know, like maybe we're all training for our own things, but we cheer each other on and like enjoy being in the process of it together. And then I also have friends that have like no interest in being a runner or doing a running thing, Mm -hmm. but you know, they'll show up to something like the marathon and be there loyally like with a with a with a bottle and like a gel to like hand it to me as I pass so um I think that's a specific element that like like a theme that feels similar but it's just it's it's a little different now and I think that's something that I'll always probably want um but I mean training totally looks different like I've never had to like through college ever try to fit my training in it was like the thing that I did mm-hmm. you know during the day and then I also kind of went to class but I like I, I ran you know and now I have a job the things that I want to running out of the thing that I get to supplement in my routine because I enjoy doing it um you know mm-hmm. it's like a it's a it's a practice for me um so those are, I think, probably the biggest ways that it feels different than before. Yeah. Did that answer your question? No, that was great. Uh, okay. so what was the like transition away from like organized running and it not being like the dominant thing? Like, was it tough? Like, I'm sure through most of at least probably most of college, maybe even high school, you're known as like the runner or a good runner. But now it's like a part of your life, but not your whole life. Yeah. A tough transition. Yes and no. I mean, it's funny that you bring up the like identity piece. That's always been a thing that's like stuck with me. I don't think I'll ever be able to escape it because I don't know, like relatively, if you told someone what your pace for a run was now, like in an office setting, they'd be like, 
I'm sorry, what? Like yeah, you, yeah. you run that many miles or you ran that many miles on the weekend. So I don't think that I'll ever, whether I like it or not, be able to escape the identity of a runner. Um, that's sort of something I've, I've accepted that I have to embrace. Um, but I think certainly when I was making that transition to a professional career in like the workforce versus like dedicating my time and energy to running, there was a, a moment of like identity crisis or even like maybe like mini morning. Like I know that sounds super dramatic, but you know, like it's kind of like a job loss or like reinventing yourself with a new career path that you have to accept the awkwardness and kind of maybe fumbling over yourself when you've done something that you feel super adequate in for so long and then accepting that you're kind of starting from scratch in like a new place. Um, But I've grown a ton in kind of reinventing my relationship with running and, you know, growing in other areas of my life. So I think that's, it's, it's ultimately like for the better. And for the yeah. Game. Do you feel like you've like found your footing with maybe the identity piece or just like with your career, with running, with other aspects of life? Do you feel like balanced or do you feel like you're heading in the right direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is maybe a really weird answer to your question, but I don't think I'm ever a person that will like be balanced. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I'm always want to push the boundary of my comfort level. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's excelling in a career or like you know I'm super excited about like this new hobby or like reading about this thing that I know nothing about and so I think balance is like a hard thing to strive for at least for me mm-hmm. um I think I'm figuring out the identity piece um I've had a, a recent you know jo- job change like I'm, I'm in a, a job that I recently just started so there's always this weird thing of making like work friends which is so weird um but I feel pretty like happy and satisfied on on where I've landed as a career pursuit um so in that way it feels good but I don't I don't know that I'm striving for balance Hmm. I don't don't tell any of like your yoga friends that (laughs) because they'd be so mad at me but I don't know if balance is my goal yeah, no, I definitely see what you're saying. I feel like, I don't know, I guess in my life, balance looks like striving after the things that I want to be good at or even just the things that I want without like neglecting the things that I do care about at the same time, which I wasn't necessarily the question I'd asked you, but I guess it's kind of what it looks like for me, which maybe sounds like kind of similar to what you're describing too. It does. Yeah, it sounds very similar. Um go after the things that make you happy that make you fulfilled but like don't be don't be ashamed of the time or energy that it takes to like strive after those things because it might not always be balanced across all fronts for sure and I feel like there's I've hit a lot of seemingly dead ends in my life like I think this is the thing that I want to do with my life or this is the thing that will fulfill me or that I'm really be really good at but it turns out not to be, but then like mm-hmm. I pivot and I find something that I enjoy more or even like I learned something from the previous path and now I can take it on with me. 
So I, th- I resonate a lot with what you said about like pushing the boundary, looking for what's next as well. So I feel like that's just a part of life. It's just like keeping going, keeping the journey going, not getting too yeah. stagnant. That sounds healthy. Sounds like the right approach. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so you said Berlin's coming up. You feeling good about yeah. it? Yeah, I've got some time. September, end of September. Um, but I I'm training now. I'm just more so just being consistent, like I said, and like routine. I don't know. I'm, I'm working out once a week and doing a long run. Um, but I think laying the foundation for to be to be strong for marathon, like marathon training takes so much energy, so much time. Um, for like as with running or probably any sport, like no guaranteed outcome. Um, and so the goal for me right now in this, you know, down, I guess down phase maybe is just to be healthy, be consistent, stay strong. Mm. Um, early spring, um, or sorry, late spring, early summer, um, start to do some more pointed training. Um, so I'd really love to up, up the volume compared to what I've done over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe dabbling with a couple weird races along the way. We'll see, but I'm just kind of enjoying the routine of, of training and being healthy. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at, but I am excited for Berlin. Um, it's been a bucket list race for a while and it's been a bucket list city. So I'm excited to check both of those those boxes. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll be keeping our eyes out for, for how you do excited to see how that goes uh before we wrap up is there anything else you want to talk about anything else you wanted to say no I mean I think I just want to thank you um for having me I'm always excited to reminisce on Indiana running and just running community in general so thanks for thanks for thinking of me and inviting me to be on the podcast I appreciate it yeah absolutely I meant to say this at the beginning but so I graduated from Fishers in 2014 so you came like right before me. Um, I may have seen you race like once at state, but you were like a legend because like, you were like <laughs> like the fastest girl like around the time that I was in high school. So it's weird, like I don't know how long, like ten years later, getting to to talk with you. It's cool, full circle moment. So I appreciate you. Yeah, taking- cool. No, I'm I'm happy too. I think there's a long legends of both girls and boys in Indiana running. Um, and they, you know, you could certainly trace the the thread through all of it. So sure. I'm flattered that you would put me among, <laughs> among the greats. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, everybody, we will see you next time. <laughs>